Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Like I said, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So it's come to this, a movie podcast. Ooh, sultry. It's sultry and inviting. Serious. But also, yeah, somber. Yeah. What other S words can we come <laughs> up with? Hey, guys, I'm Charlie. I'm, I'm Eric. This is a movie podcast. You weren't kidding around. And we've been kind of having some fun with more martial arts movies lately. We did Invasion USA. Oh, yeah. The Chuck Norris classic. We got our first... <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme movie with the least amount of Jean-Claude Van Damme fighting. Oh, almost zero. <laughs> In sudden death. Jean-Claude Van Damme fighting. And we're like, so what kung fu legend should we cover next? It's got to be Lee. It's got to you know, be. Got to be. And so we went with kung fu legend Brandon Lee's rapid fire. We did. This is actually, <laughs> uh, to be fair though, we came about this movie because it's a, a little picture. A Dwight sure. little picture. Oh, man. It's we our just, boy, Dwight H. <laughs> we just talked the, about him uh, in Halloween 4, and we were like, this guy has uh, got some chops. What else has he done? Yeah. And then it turns out- <laughs> It turns he, out a lot of really cool stuff. He teams up with uh, a young Brandon Lee in 1992 to release Brandon Lee's kind of martial arts masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't- it, It's Rapid a really fire. fun- uh, This is one of the things I love about movies is the progression of me- stupidly enjoying Halloween 4 <laughs> more than most people, I guess, uh, led me to being like, what other awesome movies did this guy do? You know, the Halloween 4 legend. And so to go from Halloween 4 and being led to rapid fire, I'm a Brandon Lee novice. Well, there's not much, uh, <laughs> unfortunately. There's, I've, uh, there's really I've never seen The few- Crow. Oh, okay which is a, a huge empty spot in my film history. But the Brandon Lee movie I have seen is the much, I don't know, some would say better, uh, Laser Mission. I've heard, I've heard nothing but good things about yeah. Laser Mission. Oh, man. I don't remember a lot about Laser Mission, but it's got this. <laughs> I assume lasers are so involved. The, the only thing I associated Brandon Lee with before this was this movie, Laser Mission, since again no crow experience Mm -hmm. and uh the theme song of the movie is by david knopfler which is the brother of mark knopfler from Uh dire straits so it sounds like the don swayze version of a patrick (laughs) swayze kind of thing it's like a not quite mark loffler I get that. Song. Oh yeah, they're just like just a step down. He's a mercenary man <laughs> <laughs> on a laser mission. Yeah, and it's this like kind of off-brand Mark Knopfler song, and Love then it. it's just a recurring theme throughout the movie. So anytime Brandon Lee's on a on a motorcycle going somewhere, it's like mercenary man, oh, man. and that like Dire Straits sound. And so I just think of Brandon Lee as the mercenary man in. Legendary laser mission. Well, he gets to uh, he gets to kick a lot of ass in rapid fire. Still gets to ride the motorcycle. Yeah, he, I think uh, it, it was a great use of his uh, what he does actually yeah. have to bring to the table, which isn't totally acting ability. Because <laughs> like, there's this one kind of adage that I've heard in life where you can either be a good actor or good at martial arts. That's an adage. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, you can't like, oh, you get, you can't get them both. Well, I think there's something to be said about people being a natural in front of the camera. Sure, maybe, uh, like a Brad Pitt in a cutting class where you're just like, oh, this kid just gets it. And totally. then there's guys like Brandon Lee, <laughs> who are clearly not natural, but I thought he got better throughout the movie. Did you not think he? Uh, I do. Maybe as I an think, actor, progressed. I think Brandon Lee really benefited from being uh being like a decent guy i think he got the decent guy benefit sometimes there's a a smugness to the to the non-acting sometimes athlete kind of thing (laughs) and i like the uh i like the kind of open-faced 
smart dumb guy mm-hmm. personality of him in this movie and i think that benefited his acting yeah brandon lee son of bruce lee yeah uh was on his on his way up with this movie and uh he plays a an art student who was now this surprised me when i saw it okay they open it up with oh. uh well, first they open up with these gorgeous like uh, shadow shots of him kickboxing a little bit. Well, I think every martial arts movie over like a several year span, <laughs> it it was like, oh well, you have to begin with like a kind of stylized highlight reel of the star, of, just show him doing doing the like an offensive yeah. showcase against. Uh, well, this I feel like they were very much like introducing Brand because then mm-hmm. it's like close up on him, Brandon Lee. And then, you know, then you get all this great... It's just him doing, like, a slow-mo upward elbow strike to non-characters. Yeah. But then the character of Jake Lowe, the mm-hmm. art student, is uh, quickly revealed to be a survivor of the Tiananmen Square <laughs> Massacre. Yeah. yeah, they give a... They give oh, him, like, a deep man. political background. I did not expect <laughs> this movie to have such a huge moral story. Yeah, it really it. hits us with a very unexpected statement right off the bat. He's, uh... It, and... The idea of him being a college student and Tiananmen Square being something that was like only two years ago, yeah, kind of blew. Like that was definitely something that kind of set this movie to me. Like, oh, that was so long ago, yeah, that that happened. I and, didn't, uh, I didn't expect Rapid Fire to be about that kind of tragedy. Yeah, and they make his dad <laughs> someone who dies. <laughs> he literally he gets run over by a tank. Yeah. In Tiananmen Square, his dad like, and they his, went for uh, it. His dad and his like what fiance? Some uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, both I got, both were political was. murder victims. I don't know who the yeah. Oh, they just hit. That's his. That's all we know about this guy, and that he draws dragon porn. And yeah, and he's, these a, are he's the, a good artist. Two, these are the two facts we know about him. Okay, so this movie's got a great uh, supporting cast. Real quick, before we move away from Dragon Porn, Richard Schiff as the art instructor <laughs> oh, yeah, like for one, one line. <laughs> That's great. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. So many things get thrown at you so early in this movie. There's this opening scene in China where you get uh, the the gangster. There's a Chicago Man. gangster. Nick Mancuso is so cool. I have to admit, I, I'm unfamiliar with Nick Mancuso, but he oh. is exactly like a guy I used to work with. And so uh, this character was like who, who nails is, on a chalkboard. Who was the Nick Mancuso guy you oh, worked I used with? To, uh, this guy who was like from New York at the at the paper. Oh, wow. He was just like gruff and like way too intense about everything and like had little stupid sayings for everything. And The only... That was this. Oh, guy. so this was the like New York lifer who was now West yeah. Coast. When 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 Mansuko in the opening scene is watching these guys battle with sticks in a oh, Chinese yeah, yeah, yeah. mud pit, and he's like, "I didn't fly ten thousand miles to see your fellas knock each other around with toothpicks." Yeah, I was like, "Oh, that's Tom." I, that, I, <laughs> <laughs> the only New York guy I've ever worked with was this dude. We were in a vault counting money basically all day. With all these cameras on us, and this guy Jim Dragos was <laughs> first straight. and last. Night. Yeah, man, look him up. Oh, he was a cool guy, but he was he lived in New York through his like thirties, mm-hmm. and had been then in Sonoma County since then. And he was definitely more of the William Macy guy in New Yorker, not William H Macy, William Macy from like Maud. Okay, and a jerk. <laughs> um, he just had this kind of sleepy way of talking, and was just, but he was like. That's funny. He was so real. <laughs> that was my New York guy. I love it. And Mancuso is the different kind of New York yeah. stereotype. Well, he's a Chicago Italian. guy in the movie, but oh. he's Cosa Nostra, you know, Italian mafioso. Mancuso is good. He gets that. He's like a Richard Lynch, Don Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> you know, combo. The guy I was familiar with in that open scene is his henchman, Tony Longo. Oh, this is the this is some of our best Ooh. Tony Longo. This guy. This might be the most. They don't on- make him like Longo. No, anymore. this is the most. Oh, him and Longo and Mulholland Drive. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's one of my favorite. What casting? And this is like maybe the most on-screen I've seen of him. A lot I, of Mongo. I love a lot of Longo. <laughs> I love his, a lot of Longo. I love his dumb faces. Oh yeah, his, he makes so many great background dumb guy faces. He's a huge dude. He's probably what's like six seven. 350 pound kind of guy he's what i picture the real life version of that early simpsons seasons 
Burns guard. <laughs> you know the guy I'm talking about? Mr. That one big hulking Mr. Burns guard with the black hair who's always throwing Homer. I think I know exactly out of who the you're plant. talking about. Yeah. I, that is like he's always wearing like an orange or purple or pinkish suit on the Simpsons coloring. Definitely. That to me is Tony Longo like slapping bugs off his neck in this unspecified Asian country we open on. Yeah. Dwight if, H. If, Little if Furio, knows how to if make Furio a from CD. The Sopranos oh. was 350 pounds, oh, he'd yeah. be Tony Longo essentially. But no, Nick Mancuso is just this cool uh almost like a like a maybe a Don Johnson and Eric Roberts. Yeah, combo right in there. There, somewhere in there. He's great in this. And uh, yeah, he was on this '80s show called Stingray, which was a Steve, it was a unfamiliar. Stephen J. Cannell <laughs> show. No, Cannell's like man. The, this is a blind spot. <laughs> You've got a blind spot. I've got a blind spot. No, Stephen no. Stephen J. Cannell. He did A Team and uh, okay, okay. He did every Rockford Files, every popular action kind of show of the '70s and '80s was this guy, right? I was born in 1983. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they play, these shows played in syndication for 30 years. Yeah, but yeah. So Stingray was like a one-season version of that. So that was his A cool... one-season show. <laughs> oh, a no. one-season show. It's out there. Everything is on streaming now. <laughs> Go watch Stingray. You're acting like that's some MacGyver <laughs> thing. Yeah, he was on Stingray. It would have been a oh, MacGyver. Oh, you know it... Jay Cannell? Look. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Stephen Jake Cannell is like the most popular TV writer of American history. Like it's, all those popular one season shows. No, I'm just kidding. No dude has had more episodes of this guy's more episodes of TV than Aaron Spelling, and he wrote all of them. Like this is the literally most popular TV writer ever. I'm not cherry picking. I apologize to all the Cannell heads out there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is the. That's my blind spot, all right? <laughs> the Canellaverse, my blind spot. I admit. <laughs> well, I'm really happy to be announcing our new Stephen J. Cannell podcast. Oh yeah, just Talking the Cannell. Just the Cannell. <laughs> Leave the Cannell. I've been waiting to announce this. No, um, <laughs> but no. You were gonna say all the other side characters because this movie has all of the coolest. Asian movie background guys. <laughs> all the guys. From all of the movies. This this is, we talked about it as having the most Tony Longo screen time. This also has to have the most Al Lung screen time. Yes. Who gets a, like almost a final boss fight with Brandon Lee. Usually that guy is, you talk about character actors. Mm-hmm. That guy I've seen in tons of movies where he doesn't even have a line. I don't know if he ever talked in this movie, like out no, loud. He had, he had, he have he a, had a couple lines? of scenes, okay. which is why it, it stood out to me. Because usually this guy can play a level of character just because his super distinct look yeah, of kind of bald top but long hair and always has like a long mustache and like a goatee. Like a big Fu Manchu, kind mm-hmm. of bushy Fu Manchu So he look. stands out, but sometimes he's literally just a guy in a background. But in you've seen movie. him in Big Trouble in Little China or mm-hmm. something like uh God, wasn't he even in the background of? Uh, oh, he's he's one of those guys though. He's always in the background. Yeah, yeah. Again, sometimes he doesn't talk. It's not even a guy with a instantly a, recognizable a, a voice in the movie. It's literally just a guy on the front row. And so this is cool to see him with in an actual like three to four line role with a huge fight scene. The fight scene at the end is great. One of the great ones. Yeah. Yeah. So it's sure. so great to see that guy. Oh, he's, get... a, he's one of the guys in Die Hard. He's one of the He's like yeah. one of the guys it's... in Die Hard. He's... Lethal weapon. He's a guy. He's in so much cool stuff, and this is, like, again, the most screen time I've seen. And I think the fights in this movie were really good. I think Brandon Lee has this cool, fun uh, Jackie Chan, but but not as prop comedy funny uh, as him, but he makes really good use of his surroundings in fun ways. I feel like he's a much bigger guy. Hmm. Uh, than I expected to see on screen when I was thinking of watching a Brandon Lee movie because I feel like Bruce Lee's definitely known as a smaller, mm-hmm. uh, streamlined kind of fighter. Yeah, Brandon Lee, I don't know, he had a big head or something. <laughs> He's got a big. He kind of just had head, a big. Man. He had a, like a big personality, and it didn't. Well, maybe it was because he they showed off the rack. <laughs> the, the guns and the and the chest. He, he never wore sleeves in this whole movie. His head is kind of shaped like. The very beginning stages of Eric Stoltz in Mask. 
very big jaw bones and, and cheekbones and yeah, stuff. It's Absolutely. Like, he seems like he's almost almost giganticism. Like, like if he did not die, there's a chance he would have looked like smaller Robert Zadar is what he looks like to me. Yeah. Is that is that inaccurate? It looks like he just has those same features but not as pronounced yet. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so he, he he just comes off differently on the screen than I was expecting for a movie now, for an actual serious movie with right, him. Right, absolutely. Yeah, I was kind of taken aback a little bit uh, just by the kind of the bulk of Brandon Lee. But then, yeah, yeah he gets into the fighting scenes and it's uh, great stuff. It's, it's really all good. All the fights are really good. Uh, and again, I kind of give credit to my boy Dwight H. Little, DHL. <laughs> I thought just as a lot of his horror stuff in Halloween was really great. Halloween 4. The Return of Michael the Myers. The Return of Michael Myers. Yeah. Again, which I thought was really good. He he makes the same effective use out of a lot of stuff in now this action movie. It's like, there's a reason he's standing out of this. This guy is really good. Like I cannot wait to watch other Twight Little movies now. Yeah, if you're a fan of like that 90s action, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Steven Seagal, this yeah. movie hits all the boxes. It's got the karate, but it's also got mafia warfare with everyone's got a micro Uzi, oh, shooting yeah. with one arm, it, glass breaking, Brandon a, Lee grabbing guns. For a 1992 movie, this was really like current John Woo style mm-hmm. Hong Kong shit in a lot of scenes. And that was not like that was still more of a novelty at that point in America. That hadn't been nearly as copied. John Woo hadn't come over yeah, yeah. yet, you know. Uh, so it was like really that hard-boiled light kind of. <laughs> there was some big old machine gun battles oh, in the, different locations, yeah. and again, they go that's why hard. I'm like, that's why this guy Dwight Little is becoming, man, is this guy one of my favorite directors? How well did he integrate? These are difficult to shoot scenes. There are tons of modern movies with $80 million budgets whose action scenes look like unintelligible garbage. Who's the guy that I'm always like, who did Inception? <laughs> who I, did in, Christopher I, Nolan. I don't know. Christopher Nolan. Nolan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nolan can't shoot action. Unwatchable. No. Un- <laughs> He can't shoot action. I didn't. I couldn't tell where a single thing was in in in, in some of those scenes. Like, is this guy standing two feet away shooting at this guy? Mm-hmm. I hated how it looked. Hated it. I get that. And all of these very complicated action scenes in in this movie. This is probably the cheapest I've seen these kind of things done this well. Mm-hmm. Like, this has some of the cool choreography of Dark Man action scenes and. Well, this has, yeah, nothing is like a, just a, there's a one-on-one at the end, but everything from the opening, the idea is that Brandon Lee witnesses the uh, Chicago mobster kill another great uh, character actor. I want to get his name too. Uh, Michael Paul Chan. Oh, man. is another guy that you just see in everything. That guy's like the Asian Miguel Ferrer. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, he's great. I love when that guy shows up with his, uh, hair, like, horseshoe hair kind of connecting down to his beard and... This is a cool Chang. Yeah, you don't get movie. too much of him, but so he gets blown away pretty quickly. But Brandon Lee witnesses it, and then it's a uh, run and gun from there. He's what? he's on the run from the Chicago mob. The feds pick him up, but they're the feds quickly are revealed to be crooked. crooked. So he's got to run from them, and the only guy he can trust, Eric, we haven't brought him up yet. <laughs> oh man, Chicago out of, cop out of Mace all... Ryan. Mace Ryan, played what by a... our friend. Powers Booth, <laughs> not a friend. Not our friend. No, uh, he's, Powers he's Booth, one of the, He's a, a podcast favorite, obviously. Absolutely. Powers Booth from is, Sudden Death. Oh, Powers Booth is one of the most captivating actors of my lifetime. I <laughs> love him so much in everything. He's one of my literal favorites, and we get maybe a, top ten favorite. Kind of a rare good guy Booth in this one. Yeah, I feel like he's always the bad guy. I was, and this time he gets to be the cop. I admit. uh before watching this, I hadn't seen this movie. You hadn't seen this movie? I had not until you recommended it based yeah, on yeah. the little. Based on me at going into based a little Dwight's deep little. dive yeah. uh, lately. A little dive. <laughs> uh, just dip my toe in a little. <laughs> and uh, I try you know, not to know too much about the movies I'm going to watch that I haven't seen. Right? Mm-hmm. Go in blind. And so I just read, oh, okay, Brandon Lee, Guy in a Run, Rival Drug Dealers. 
in Chicago. And so when I saw it had Powers Booth, Nick Mancuso, my brain just put together, oh, these two are rival drug dealers. I kind of, th- I think I did that too with my brain. So I like, was, in my head, I was thinking Booth it was. And the other guy are the drug dealers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've funny. seen Booth play a great drug dealer in Extreme Prejudice. Mm-hmm. This guy as a Chicago late 80s drug. Oh, yeah. I wanted to see that. So this movie did not disappoint me, even though I was going, <laughs> even though that would have been cooler. Well, what's funny is that the guy who plays the other drug dealer, uh, his, his name is pronounced Tai Ma, as according to IMDb. Right. This is a guy that always plays the good guy in things. Sure. He's like the the ambassador whose daughter gets kidnapped in rush hour. He's like oh, the yeah. dad in the new Mulan. Apparently, like this He's is a good a lot guy. Of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he plays a pretty cool bad guy in this one. So yeah, it was nice turn. This movie to had... see these two actors that you normally see in other ways. Yeah, this movie had so many uh, awesome uh, Asian character actors that. James Hong was almost conspicuous in his absence. <laughs> they li- it's like they got all of the cool Asian action movie He's background like calls guys. up Al Leong, like, what, what, what's going on, man? You didn't tell me about this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Asian- James Hong is the guy going like, nobody called me this. <laughs> he either like, was the only guy not called or had to be just like, I refuse to be in it for reasons I'm not. Maybe, yeah. Either it was too obvious, and they're like, no, he obviously was offered it, but he turned it down. Or it was just like, really? Nobody told me? Because <laughs> like, it has every other guy who's always around James Hong. James Hong is usually the boss guy, and all these dudes getting starring guy roles throughout this movie are usually his yeah. <laughs> background dudes. There's a few even other guys that we haven't mentioned yet, and I'm yeah. just like, yeah. It, how it's does... ch- chocked full of, with everybody in this movie. and Yeah, Raymond J. Barry. There's another guy in there. It's it's so good. And I'm always going to love a movie that's filled with guys. Oh, Just yeah. filled with the boys. That's a thing. Yeah. Like, the material the, can be, the more boys, the more my guys that are in it, the lower the material has to be for me to be into it. So here's my theory, is yeah. that Brandon Lee learned in real time from these guys. Like, because... Oh, the more he acted over this movie, he was learning from all these pros? I think Powers Booth's probably, like, taking him to lunch and being like, you know, you don't have to, like, squint like it's a cartoon when you're <laughs> looking at the killer. The scene where where uh, the the Chicago Nick Mansuko guy blows away <laughs> Chong, he, uh, Chang, he, uh, Lee sees it, and he looks over, and he does, like, a, huh, what's going on over there? Like, <laughs> real broad, like... What is that? And it's just painfully bad. <laughs> sure. But then when he has to do kind of the big character turn at the end and actually give a shit about something, because the whole idea is that he's a this nihilist who saw his dad die and he's like, fuck politics. I don't believe in anything. Yeah. Leave me. At-. His whole persona is just like, fuck you to everybody <laughs> in this movie for like the first hour to a point where it becomes really obnoxious. <laughs> And you could see the actors on camera, Powers Booth, like gritting his teeth, like, you fucking ass. And then finally the woman, the line of the movie is where she just goes, you, you have, asshole. You have so much more disdain for Brandon Lee. I, I didn't, well, I could the pick kid, up that I get he the wasn't ki- totally clean, but you were just like, this fucking guy. But that's the character. The character is, even after the cop saves his life, he's like, Real smooth, Mace. Way well, to go. And you're I just was like, thinking Ugh. this dude is just like kind of justified in his like, look, I didn't ask for this shit. Absolutely. Kind of so it, it was kind of justified, man. But he's taking it out on these people who are trying this to guy save got, his literally like jump in my car. I'm saving your life. This dude. And he's like, you idiot. <laughs> Charlie. Here's the thing. I don't know what I would do in that case. I, I got to admit that. Here's what you need to stand, understand about Jake Lowe, Charlie. The things that he saw at Tiananmen Dude, Square. I get that. I get it. This is a man who's just trying to start fresh and draw his dragon porn. <laughs> Such an unnecessary This is detail. a guy. Why did he have to do that? <laughs> Why did that have to happen? It doesn't come back to play later in the movie at all. The fact that he's an imaginative illustrator does not happen again in the movie. Oh, he he uh he drew Nick Mancuso. Yeah, without a dragon behind him. <laughs> no dragon in the Mancuso sketch. Yeah. Why did he? See, do it? 
So that Richard Schiff could be like, Jake, it's figure drawing. Just just draw what you see. Jake, we don't want your specific kink in my figure drawing class, okay? This is my only appearance in the movie to tell Give somebody me something. to tell the protagonist to just cut the dragon porn out in Look, my class. We get it. You're an imaginative artist who saw his dad get run over by a tank in Tiananmen Square. <laughs> And then when the woman finally calls Jake an asshole and she's like, yeah, your dad died. It happens every day. (laughs) Not under a fucking tank, it doesn't, sweetheart. Oh, my God. That was so inappropriate. I could not believe she did that to him. That's when I felt bad for Jake Lowe. And I was like, okay, this poor kid, this poor kid. It happens every day at the hands of the Chinese military. You fucking lady. Everybody gets it in this movie, man. Sorry. Dude. Sorry. I've been holding that in for a few days, apparently. (laughs) (sighs) I feel good now. I feel better. That's Uh. what I'm saying, dude. (laughs) Jake, a break. (laughs) I know. He saw some shit, man. This guy lived through an insane. Oh man, I heard people die every day. Oh my god. <laughs> this poor dude. And then he witnesses a murder like <laughs> fuck me. Just when he thought it I'm couldn't just get any worse. To just stay alone. Because the only reason he's at that party is he got lured there by the girl, and now he thinks he's like, oh, I got stuck at a Tiananmen Square fundraiser, which I don't want to be a part of. My Friday's ruined. Yeah, this starts like such a wreck weekend (laughs) that just gets impossibly worse. It's true. It's like the martial arts after hours. (laughs) This dude just wants to draw, but the naked figure model, that's what's great. I... I love nineties so action movie nudity. And I loved I'm giving my boy little credit for this too. I love little. the only nudity in the movie is a very sexy shot of a figure model. He knows how to film women, which is not a thing action movie directors know how to do. Yeah, that was a nice uh, nice scene. Like, not gonna complain. Richard wow. Schiff's like, I will sign up for this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why Schiff's like, it's one scene. It's directly next to a gorgeous naked blonde. Sure. Oh man. What am I doing on Sunday? Yeah. Well, and, I gotta ask you though. What about the sex scene later in the movie? Not into it. Probably the worst one I've ever seen. Not a film, fan. Right? Not not hot. That was a that was a tough one for old Brandon Lee. That that, <laughs> that was that was a knock. Okay. That was rough. Anyways, um, I thought he get better. In, I thought he got better in the movie. That sex was, scene, with, uh, notwithstanding. Yeah, that wasn't that sexy. No. <laughs> Very unlike it, the woman who just called him an asshole is then basically like, "Yeah, they got there quick." This is what I want to do. It got. Yeah. It didn't feel like they knew each other too well at that point. That was quick, quick sexing. <laughs> it wasn't. It didn't hit the unsexy levels of that, like, uh, like the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but. Uh, but it wasn't good. Not great. Uh, so no, that the movie's not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I and and you know, Nick Mancuso. This is I'm. There's other stuff now. I want to watch a couple other things that now that uh, this is the uh, first yeah. we've talked to him on the podcast. I really like his. Uh, he's in some really serious stuff. There's another cool movie I'd like to do called Ticket to Heaven. Just mm. like an early '80s kind of cult movie. And uh, so he does serious stuff, but then he kind of graduated also to these B-movie, cool, tough guy roles. And he's this great kind of tough guy. I bring up Richard Lynch, even though he looks more of a Don Johnson, Eric Roberts guy, because of that scene in the shootout. He had kind of a position of going to, like, in power to getting more weaselly yeah. when he's getting out of power. Uh, and that's kind of reminded me of the same kind of, like... Shaky mouth, wide eye, Richard Lynch look when he, a character of his gets that same. Mancuso's got great freakouts. Mm-hmm. Like, and and totally. there's there's a scene where uh, they deliver Brandon Lee to him in the restaurant, and man, he's yeah. just his freakout in that scene when he's like freaking out at the uh, federal agent and he's freaking out at everybody. Else. He's yeah, I, all time, I loved it. I, I can't wait to check out more like, of his stuff. Scorsese level uh, movie eating. 
Oh, yeah, too. Right. We got some great Chicago guys eating. I also like mobs that are like on the decline. Oh, like, yeah. He's So Mancuso is this mob guy who's broke. All his dudes are in jail. His he's last hero- gambit, heroin dealer. His last gambit yeah. is to basically try to take over the heroin business from yeah. the Chinese mafia, yeah. which does not go well. No. And we get embroiled in this whole thing, and it ends up with him getting... There's a huge shootout at the Italian restaurant, which is maybe my favorite scene of the whole movie. With uh, just like, if you want like Michael Mann style, like guns in the street. Oh, this is straight up like the best John Woo stuff. Yeah. Really cool stuff. That's why it's like, damn. Like, it's got my favorite Powers Booth line where he's behind a car and they're like, Jake's still in the restaurant. He's like, I know. What the fuck do you want me to do about it? Stuff like that was, was just, like, it's that was stuff was just that, like ah oh, it hit me so that well. That gunfight wasn't you know too too many clicks down from the heat. Exactly, gun that's fight, what I mean. Yeah. You know, like it was uh, it was not Michael Mann level, but it was as good as a lot of the best John Woo gun stuff. And the way it was framed, the way it was shot, and Mancuso's and his boys got this great like upstairs perch at this hotel mm-hmm. restaurant. You know, kind of three stories up, like this, these switchback stairs, which provide great settings for dudes to fall down and oh, get yeah. shot down. And Longo goes down, <sighs> Longo big gets time. Dumped under that a scene, balcony. Yeah, the and... scene also has the great, the great Longo Brandon Lee fight. Yeah, the old man with the freaking Gatling gun essentially coming out like the. Oh, dude, that's what gun. it's such a kung fu movie. Like it's got all these like it's like you're in the dungeon, uh, double dragon video game mm-hmm. where. Uh, you get all these great laid out boss battles, but all the boss battle yes. guys are these great background actors getting their biggest, longest screen time. It's all, I felt I, I I had that video game feeling mm-hmm. for sure because it was like each piece felt like its own level, right? Like you had the art gallery shootout that he survives with the motorcycle, and then the uh, yeah the the hideout FBI hideout that he has to escape. Yeah. Then you yeah the the nightclub the kitchen the, fight the, was uh, great. Yeah, the, the kitchen the apart- fight the, restaurant the safe house apartment when that's when we get our reveal that the FBI guys are bad dudes. That's a good fight. That's a great those action scenes and I can't wait to watch other Dwight Little action movies now. Honestly, the framing of the the kitchen and the ability to give you a place in the house. Mm-hmm. You understood how the rooms connected to each other yeah, due yeah. to how he shot every action angle. Right. You're not lost when the guy's going through a closet or like going through uh, yeah. the hallway. There's, it's like a two-on-one fight, and the guys are approaching him for different areas of the house, but you knew where every all three people were at. Totally. And that's really important in framing these battles because some of them are just messy, and you don't get a sense of space. And so the best use of of that kind of work in this movie that made all the fights stronger. Mm-hmm. And then there was a couple fights where he did the Jackie Chan kind of stuff. He was using props and a table in the the uh, art gallery. The art gallery scene where he's got the guy on the bike plowing through like the glass and wood oh, yeah. display. That was great. That bit. was crazy. Great bit. This was a a budgeted movie. This was like a ten million dollar. Budget movie. I haven't really looked. Yeah. So it had some of the reckless feel of the crazier canon stuff, like Invasion USA, where you felt like, oh man, they probably talked guys into doing more of their stunts than a more expensive movie mm-hmm. would have done. And uh, that scene. You think right Longo there, really took a, a spill from the second floor? Well, no, but like that Brandon Lee one was a pretty late take. Yeah. Even for us, even if a stunt man was used, but it didn't look like there was. So it had that kind of canon recklessness, but with a more expensive, safer-looking budget. So I get that. Uh, so it didn't... Uh, this made money and definitely... A little bit. Was like his, but definitely was the one that put him on the map yes. as a guy. Yeah. If, if for the, nothing else but the fighting and the martial arts. And, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, it was he a definitely good has showcase action. for his uh, martial arts. Yeah, he definitely has action chops. One thing about uh, Nick Mancuso's performance is I wish we had gotten a little bit more time in the movie for Mancuso to show us more of his Asian dialect impressions. <laughs> yeah. We didn't get quite enough Mancuso mega insulting asian voice routines it's true 
Yeah, uh, yeah, he was uh, not a culturally. We sensitive didn't get character. him like out flapping the dicky mm-hmm. yet. So yeah, we only had three plus scenes devoted to him talking and mocking Asians. So that, well, uh, they get him back by uh, sending Al Long to uh, the oh. prison to assassinate him via Ninja Star. So they're on brand. So oh, I think I just figured out a reason because I've been I've watched this uh, twice now in the last week because mm-hmm. I really liked the first time and I wanted to see how certain things held up I to did, a second time. I did the same, yeah. And it held up well, and I think I'm now hitting on the reason is. Not only does this movie have like 20 guys that I like and recognize, but it kills a lot of them off in succession. <laughs> this movie has a real feel that any dude can die. And once, spoiler alert, go watch this movie. It's on HBO Max. Now, it is. So, uh, spoiler, go watch it. Uh, it's well worth your time. Uh, Mancuso dies like around an hour in. Yeah, I did not see an, that coming. And I didn't see that coming. I thought he'd be around way to the end. I didn't I didn't quite expect a I kind of thought the scene at the restaurant was the climax because right? it was such an extended gunfight and all that. I was like, "Damn." And I then... was not <laughs> expecting it to get to the restaurant gunfight that early. I was not expecting yeah, yeah. uh Mancuso like, to oh, go down half halfway into the movie. I thought for sure he would be the guy like killing Powers Booth at the end before Brandon Lee takes him down. Mm -hmm. So when he went down, I was like, oh man, this movie, it was really exciting because it really feels like anything could happen. Yeah, did not know where it was going from there. I mean, mean, Brandon Lee is kind of the master of guys dying unexpectedly in movies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. I was wondering if you were going to be offensive about this. I was like, I bet there's like a 50-50 shot that Eric will be... Like sincere, and then there's a fifty-fifty shot. He will make a uh, yeah. I wasn't expecting to joke. until then. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it just came to me. I know it's uh. We'll edit it out later if we think it's in poor. It taste. truly well. It you know him him dying so stupidly. It, I know. I, that's the thing that kills me when when you hear about stuff like this in movies and people dying for just it there's not a re it's a it's, it's just such a genuine right? tragedy you're it's just such a stupid way to die you're just trying to make entertainment and uh to have someone go like that and yeah it was sad because he had not yet become a good actor and uh he could have been I, th- I think he's much better in the crow if if you ever do yeah. is the crow good it. i i don't actually know much about it I and rem- i've kind of, i've kind of done that intentionally <laughs> i remember liking it because here's it, the here's the thing about the crow. Been I've years. never seen it. You know what one of my most played CDs of all time was? The Crow soundtrack. Right. I played that soundtrack so much. I've not seen a second of the movie. Uh, I'm a big fan of the director Alex Proyas. Totally from Dark, Dark City, City. Uh, especially. Oh, yeah. And uh, the Crow is uh, it's. Can't you know, there was a very specific like '90s goth kind of vibe that goes to it. Sure, that I think you kind of. It was also a comic. It was also it was crazy how in the '90s all the comic book movies were like The Phantom or <laughs> The Crow. Like before we uh, before got, like, we had like you got Spawn. Uh, yeah. Spawn was after Even this. Even Spawn, though. No, but the fact that there was a major studio Spawn movie before a major studio Spider-Man movie is ridiculous. You know, for as so for silly. as much as I love Dark City, I haven't seen The Crow or I Robot. Oh yeah, really, yeah. I don't yeah. really support. It's weird how much I love Dark City. Like one of the greatest. I Robot's kind of ever. a good action movie. I don't remember it being much more than that. He did uh, Knowing with which I really liked with I Nick Cage. Seen that either. I like that movie. Man, I am really, I'm yeah, really ducking. See, that's my there you boy. Go. Your you... blind spot is. The most populated TV writer of all time. <laughs> Mine is Alex Proyas, apparently. But uh, equal blind spot. This <laughs> this movie was uh, a lot better than I was expecting. This movie did a lot of these uh, the best parts of early '90s action movies really well. I enjoyed it through and through. The uh, final fight between him and Tai Ma on the tracks of the L train. I was like, the whole movie, I was like, why are they focusing on L-trains in every scene? 
Every scene when he gets to Chicago. You're talking about L train, L train. We talked about video, a movie being a video game. You get a final boss battle on like the tracks of the uh, the L train. Yeah, that you, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's why we've been we focusing go. on these elevated trains. Yeah, that was, and and it's the stick fight from the beginning that recalls the beginning fight. That so you're like, oh, Taimon knows how to fight Dude, with sticks. Shit. This movie knew its Great action fight. scene locations so well. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna take every minute of this episode to praise Dwight Little. This guy's my new current favorite. He knew every kind of oh man that opening shot in again unnamed Asian country. You get the pit fighting action scene, which you always love to see in this kind of movie. Everybody mm-hmm. loves that shit. This whole movie is filled with everybody loves that shit. All of his sets, all of the fight. Uh, tracking and framing yeah it's all like that perfect best stuff from john woo best stuff from that american martial arts area hey you, you like get... a guy sticking another guy like a pig in the chest we're gonna give it to you twice yeah we're doing it <laughs> you get a ton of guys important character guys that you think are going to be important characters turn out to be two scene characters yeah <laughs> that's really cool and you get these great little action movie touches like Powers Booth's strike team location being in a bowling alley. Yeah, we got there. Thank you for reminding me. (laughs) The Uh, bowling alley strike team location. I didn't understand. Was this strike team like not officially affiliated with (laughs) the Chicago Wait, were you guys actually cops? Why would they hold up in an abandoned bowling alley with with operational bowling lanes and pins? Uh, Yeah. Just like I love the L train payoff, the Powers Booth blowing away a bowling pin with a 45 or whatever we such a great payoff this bowling alley location (laughs) and all the other powers booth is 0 for 50 on hitting the same spare he's a good cop can't bowl for shit the seven pin has just been giving him the middle finger (laughs) at the end of this bowling alley precinct might have been the 10 pin might have been for months yeah Now, he kept rolling it straight down the middle, and it yep. would just miss. So, I think it was either the seven or eight. Yeah. <laughs> we've, no, we've been bowling. It's... We've bowled before. I uh, mean, I can pick that up. I mean, It is such that, like, Reginald Vell Johnson blowing away that dude. His powers booth just blowing away the seven pin. Yeah. Ugh. A lot of good stuff like that. And just like, oh, Brandon Lee tasting the heroin <laughs> what does brandon lee know about the taste of heroin i love let me tell you what i don't know what tastes like i don't have you could tell me heroin tastes like anything and i'd have no choice but to believe it it's so funny how brandon lee goes from like i don't want nothing to do with this to all right i'm gonna help you and i'm gonna infiltrate the heroin dealer's you know, I'm going to infiltrate site. the Asian heroin distribution Chicago Center. And he's the one telling Powers Booth to relax. Yeah. He's like, I get, don't worry. I, like, the confidence with which Brandon Lee or this character Jake Lowe walks around. Jake Lowe is staggering. Does not have any positive relationships in his life. <laughs> Jake Lowe has been left remarkably. Not quite a shell of a man. <laughs> yeah. After brutally witnessing the tank death of his father and fiance, the only two people he knew in life, to going to a life about. where he's just trying to draw his hentai. <laughs> <laughs> and within a day, has now had to murder 30 men. Yeah, just Ma- to get your story out there. Mafia and crooked federal agents. I think he takes down some bad feds, too. And you meet Powers Booth, who's telling you, kid, I'm the only guy you can trust. After you've been told that same thing by four different men mm-hmm. in the last four hours of his life, this guy is topsy-turvy. <laughs> this poor man, Jake Lowe. So he has this complicated father relationship with powers booth yep and this aggressive like i think that sex scene with that one other female strike team member didn't work out because they have like a brother sister vibe yeah <laughs> like an arguing brother sister vibe with the one female cop then he has like a complicated 
absent dad relationship with well, Powers the sex, Booth. The sex scene also doesn't work because they're intercutting between the sex and then Mancuso getting knocked off in jail. So yeah. it's literally a shot of Al Long throwing a ninja star cut to ass. And it just doesn't work. It just does not work. <laughs> it's the closest you ever get to see like Al Long murdering a man face coming to just like thrusting. It's quite literally that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, that is that is our. But yeah, but but the, the the just the sheer audacity of Brandon Lee to just be like, I will infiltrate this laundry facility, get my man, chase him to an elevated train, and then fight this guy I've never met before. He now really becomes to a be- the death. Yeah, he really becomes a believer in the cause. Like, what if that guy was just like, Hey, man, I don't know what you're doing. I'm just an accountant. Like, <laughs> you don't have to fuck with me. He'd be like. Oh, what is wrong with me? What am I doing? I'm, I'm chasing men around a city I've never this been to. This guy is forced into a life of murder over one bad night. Oh, poor Jake Lowe. Yeah. But the complicated relationship where his new lover tells his his powers booth, not his dad figure, <laughs> to like, have you ever tried telling him that you liked him it's like what are we doing why are we facilitating this father-son relationship why is everybody making these people like have this and so we get this weird han solo moment (laughs) where powers booth's trying to tell uh brandon lee that he that he loves him like a son and a tight bro and brandon lee and and powers booth struggling with uh with expressing emotions yeah as a broken family man who doesn't see his family ever because he's focused on bringing down the heroin game. Ten years of my life, he tells the audience at least nine times. I've wasted my time. (laughs) And he doesn't have it in him to tell another man he loves him. And Brandon Lee tells him, hey, I know. I know. You don't have to finish that thought. And Powers Booth's like, nice. All right, thank God. Thank God. Also, just so everyone knows, the way you just did that line read is like 10 times better than the way Brandon <laughs> Lee did that line read. I just want you to know. I actually felt something there when you said it. Wherever, unlike when Brandon Lee delivers it on camera. Wherever you are, Brandon Lee, <laughs> take that. Hey, Charlie. I love you. Oh, boy. See? It's not hard, Powers Booth. Oh, boy. I'm getting all Powers Boothy over here. <laughs> No, but this movie is much better than I expected. This was better. I was excited to watch this movie, and I knew I would enjoy it just from my brief glance at the credits, you know, the, <laughs> the cast. Yeah. I already knew I was going to dig that. But now I'm just like, I cannot wait to watch more Dwight Little. I can't wait to get to Getting Even, the Walking Tall style movie that has uh, Joe Don Baker. Oh, there's a, he did a Phantom of the Opera 80s remake. Oh, yeah, Robert yeah, Robert England yeah. is the Phantom and Jill Sholin as the uh, the young starlet. Hmm. This guy is going to be my favorite new John Carpenter style director. All the things I love about John Carpenter, how he can hop to any genre and do the cool version of that genre. Same thing I like about Tarantino. Same thing, you know, John Carpenter. Dwight Little's got that same, like, now I've seen him do a kick-ass martial arts action movie. I've seen him do a very good horror movie. Can't wait to see what else this guy does. This guy is my new favorite. I can't wait to watch the 23 episodes of Bones that he directed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I haven't, uh, haven't dove into the Bones pool yet. Well, so, uh, then maybe you've seen the nine episodes of The Practice that he did. Wow. Uh, the five episodes of Prison Break. This guy works. This he you got some. I, ca- you got I some. Do, ca- he's still working. You got some catching up to. Do. When I looked at his IMDb earlier, I did. I skimmed through all the TV that he had done just because I wanted to see more what movies were. Because those feel more obviously. I yeah, want to see yeah, what yeah. were his projects. But I was kind of surprised at how much I had to skim to get past all of his TV work. This dude is a serious working director. He's done very well for himself, mm-hmm. which is cool. It sucks that it had to come directing, you know, a nice uh, twice a year stint doing, I'm sure, SVU or well, Criminal yeah. Intent did three episodes, I bet. I'm not even <laughs> going to look. But that there's certain guys like that that 
has just lived very cool and comfortably and have these awesome genre movies left behind. So I'd love to hear Dwight Little talk about working with Brandon Lee. I think that would be a very interesting. Yeah. I mean, but think about it. John Carpenter wasn't that far off from being this. Mm. If one or two of his movies didn't make enough money and he didn't have enough ideas that were as kick-ass as John Carpenter ideas, this could have been John Carpenter. You know, this could have been somebody like Sean Cunningham just doing right. doing spots on criminal intent. That's not that far off. <laughs> and it's cool that, you know, I wish this guy uh, got to make more, but I'm really excited to check out more of this guy's stuff because he's aced <laughs> the two genres I've seen him do so far. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. This was great. It's on uh, HBO Max right now. Yep. Kind of want to see. Uh, this is probably going to push me to see The Crow, admittedly. Feels like I feels like should, I should. That's you should been long it. enough. That's I a, should watch it again. It's been that's a big one. Seventeen years. There's since also, I have a VHS of a student film Crow. <laughs> a student film it, of it, the Crow. Yeah, it's not student, like the same people. No, but not it's like supposed. It's like a, a shot on video, guys. Student film huh, of the Crow. Interesting. I kind of want to watch that before. It's a crazy like if <laughs> before you, watching the full movie, The Crow. I feel like I leafed through a, a comic book of The Crow. You know, one of those original books. It's a crazy, like the indie comics in the '90s were dark, man. I'm familiar with the wrestler Sting, so I <laughs> think go. I know a little bit about. I think the I Crow. know a little something. I I'm swear though that soundtrack of The Crow I've listened to <laughs> so many times that got me into shoegaze. Man, come on. Come on. Groundbreaking. So this guy, Dwight Little's my dude. There you go. Come to this. It's come to this. I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. Thank you guys for listening, and good night.